Welcome to Examining Scripture. We seek to encourage believers in Jesus Christ to drink from the Word of Life. As God's revelation to mankind, we want to demystify the Bible and help you find what God has to say about the circumstances you're facing. We're not pastors or theologians. We're sinners just like you, who, by the grace of God, have come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. If we can thirst for Scripture, so can you. Hi, I'm your host, Bob Red, along with co-host Nancy Carmichael. Thank you for joining us in another episode of Examining Scripture. Hey, Nancy. Hey, Bob. How are you doing? You know, thanks for asking. I'm doing pretty well. It's good to be here examining scripture with you. Yeah, me too. For the audience, I'm a little under the weather, but hopefully I sound just fine. You sound just uh, fine. Oh, great. I'm glad to hear it. It's better so, to sound fine than to feel fine. That's I'm going SNL on, on all of our listeners. So There you go. So a uh, couple announcements. I'm really excited that uh, we've made the full transition to rss.com slash examining scripture. You can find us there. Very of exciting. Course, yeah, it really is. You can, of course, find us on the Eastern Hills, uh, ehwc.org website under podcasts. Yep. And I'm happy to announce that you can find us on Spotify and also on Amazon and uh, Apple Podcasts. So I'm really excited uh, uh, to be reaching some folks uh, that we wouldn't traditionally reach through these other uh, media. So it's really exciting time. That's very exciting. So yeah, so good news if you're an iPhone user, just go to your podcast app because it's already loaded into That's your right. phone and just do a search for Examining Scriptures. That's right. And uh, because we're new to it, um, you might have to take a bit of a scroll. You can type in examining space scripture, colon, uh, encouraging. I think those string of words will get you to our podcast, but you can find us. You just might have to scroll a little bit. Yeah, really excited about that. So um, we are about to launch into a three-part series. The series is centered on the gospel. Nancy, why don't you define for the audience, you know, when we say gospel, what are we saying? We're talking about some good news, right? And couldn't we all use a little bit of that in our lives right now? So that's, that's literally what the gospel means. It means the good news. Um, But good news about what? Well, that's what we're going to discuss today. Yeah. And as we are want to do to make this always practical, Uh, We've always talked about you pulling out your Bible app and uh, doing searches for key words. This concept of gospel and good news is a a good segue to other ways in which you might want to use your Bible app and and search for key words. So what's interesting in the New International Version, if you search or if you went to Romans 1, 1 and 2, where Paul talks about the gospel, there it's the good news. What's interesting is if you change your Bible app to a different Bible, like the New American Standard Version, that's the version I tend to use, that same uh, section of verses, Romans 1, 1 and 2, good news is the New American Standard Version has gospel rather than good news. So they are synonymously used between different Bibles, um, and they mean the very same thing. Excellent. Good to know. Yeah. So I want to set the background for the listener. 
we're talking to believers in Jesus Christ and someone might say, wait a minute, I'm a believer. You're really talking to me about the gospel or, or are you kidding me? Well, this came out of a discussion I had with a follower of Jesus Christ. And I think our glib reaction could be, boy, you got to be kidding me if someone who's a Christian needs to hear about the gospel. That's not the case. It's not what we're talking about here. What came out of that is a person was saying, I don't share the good news. Their heart was in the right place. They were really saying, I'm not comfortable talking about the gospel. I really don't know how to go about it. And so this three-part series is really addressing, you know, that honest heart that the person shared to say, I, I know I'm supposed to share the gospel. Uh, I'm a Christian. I know what Christ has done in my life, but I am not comfortable. And, right. and, and so I, I don't know, Nancy, have you run across that kind of thing from, from believers? Well, I'll tell you, I think sometimes we know something or think we know something so well, or we're immersed in something that, so if somebody were to say, for example, describe air to, you know, oxygen, or, or if you're a fish in the water, like, tell me what water is, you know, and it's like, well, I swim in it. And it's, you know, it's like, but it, it, these are things, you know, there are things that we are just so intimately interlocked with we don't even really think about it and i think the gospel is one of those things for christians especially christians that have been christians for a very long time it's like well it's the good news okay the good news about what and and i think it's really more a matter of being equipped to articulate what that is you know and i i know a, a big thing that i like to stump on is you know why do you believe what you believe. Well, I just believe mm. it, right? Um, right? But being able to articulate what the gospel is and then why you believe it. I, I do think a lot of us, um, we may not even be conscious of that until we're in those conversations. Yeah, I think that's really, really true. Uh, if, if I think for myself and conversations I've had with self-professed atheists, uh, my atheist friends, as I like to call them, They'll challenge me by saying, you don't really think that God would come here on earth. Mm -hmm. And of course, the answer is absolutely I do. Why yeah. is that such an incredible thought? And before we get too far ahead of ourselves, I think now that we've established that the gospel is a good news, what really is the gospel, man? So I think one way to truncate and articulate it in a nutshell is good old John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That kind of summarizes what the good news is. Yeah, it really does. And, uh, you know, people may have remembered or seen, uh, you know, in a golfing event, someone holding up the sign, John 3.16. They do that at golf? Can you believe that? You know, it just shows you I'm new to this whole football thing. I, I had no idea. I see those <laughs> at the football games, but I have to admit, I have not. Yeah, I've not graduated on to golf yet. I'm not that classy. Well, well, you do see them at sporting events. And it's really interesting because yeah. that really speaks volumes. Um, it shows really that someone has such a heart for God that, you know, they want to they want to display this if if the cameras will shoot it. 
tell the world, so to speak. What's interesting is it seems as though lately that um, cameras have have ceased shooting someone carrying that sign. So you see it less and less. But the point is, someone did. was purposeful to say, you know, I'm going to share the gospel with the television audience if the cameraman will shoot this. Right. But you know what's interesting about that? I know I'm jumping in. No, go ahead. Now that now that I think about it, those people are doing that, assuming that people know what John 3.16 is and other Christians know what it is. But someone who's never heard the gospel, what does that mean to them? Well, and I think that's the beauty of that kind of, uh, how do I want to say it, that kind of display or initiative, Mm -hmm. because it's exactly as you say. So all of us who are Christians will see that. And I'm just speaking for my own self. When I see that, I'm encouraged. I'm Mm -hmm. like, hey, Mm -hmm. someone took the time to take this big sign into a sporting event and to really, if you will, I I know maybe it's a backhanded way, but it's a proclamation of the gospel. Sure. Sure. And yeah, now that I'm thinking even more about it, it could prompt some really interesting conversations. If you're sitting next to your friend who's like, what the heck is John 316? Well, let me tell you. So there you go. Right back. Yeah. Yeah. That's Full right. Circle. Yeah, that's right. So in, in on the other hand, it's really an evangelistic outreach at uh, at some level. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and it's it, think of the heart of the person that says, well, I don't know how God is going to use this display, but it's in his hands. Right. Yep. It's the power of scripture. Amen. So we see we see something very interesting in our searches, getting back to the practical side of it. So depending on our Bible app and depending on the Bible version that we're searching, we search gospel and gospel comes up nearly 90 times. And it, what's interesting is they're all in the New Testament. You think, well, this must be a New Testament thing, mm. but it's not, is it? It is not. Uh, I mean, the word may not show up before the New Testament, but the idea was there from day one. Yeah, that's right. And uh, I really love that. So if I did a Bible search of uh, the gospel and I wanted to try and capture the whole idea, again, doing a search of the gospel, you can come up with anywhere from 60 to 90, maybe 100, depending on your version. And in Romans 1.1, Paul introduces it this way. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through the prophets and in the holy scriptures concerning the Son of Man, who was born of a descendant of David, according to the flesh, who was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead, according to the spirit of holiness Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for his name's sake, among whom you also are called of Jesus Christ. So it's interesting in verse two there, Paul is saying that, hey, this gospel was also promised beforehand by the prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Right, right. So it wasn't it wasn't a new invention. That's right. And the Holy Scripture, when Paul's referring there, of course, the New Testament really wasn't fully written and collated. So he's really talking about the Old Testament. He's talking about both uh, 
uh, the patriarchs. So that's the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, where we see references to Christ and Christ types like um, we see from Joseph is a type of Christ. Yeah. We we see it in the Psalms, and we also see it in the prophets. That's in right. fact, uh, you had mentioned to me that that Christ Himself quotes Scripture from Isaiah. Yes, he does. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So you want to paraphrase it for it for us? Yeah. So in Luke chapter four, this is just after he has spent forty days in the wilderness, right? So, so he had just come back from that fresh from the desert right and all the all the things that that went down there so now he's he's in the synagogue with all the religious people so he gets up he opens up this big scroll and he starts reading from it and here's actually give me just a second i'm gonna i'm gonna pull it up exactly because i don't want to i don't want to mess this up it's so good uh so rich isn't it yeah, so Luke chapter 4, verse, so here we go. So this is what Jesus reads from Isaiah chapter 61, verses 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's Jesus himself. That's his, that's his mission statement. This is his, one of his first public gigs, right? And so this is, he starts off his, his three-year mission with this. That's right. And what's interesting is he's doing it in his hometown. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's reading from uh, Isaiah 61 Mm -hmm. verses one and two. And what's interesting about that is he doesn't complete verse two. And verse two goes on and talks about the coming of the Lord. Let me pull it up from Isaiah. Yeah. yeah so while you're doing that, I'll correct me. Because yes, you were correct. I said 18, 19, but I was reading from Luke. That was Luke 18 and 19. But in Isaiah, it is actually chapter. It's chapter 61, the first two verses. You're that's absolutely right. correct. But he oh, left off the second part. And I think that's where you're going. He left off the second part of verse two. And I think that's where you're going. That, exactly. And yeah. the second part is, and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. The Jews understood Isaiah 61, 1 and 2 to be a messianic part of scripture. Messianic, what we mean by that is that uh, it points to the coming Messiah, to the Christ, right? right. Messiah is, uh, I think it's the Hebrew version, uh, and Christ is, is uh, Messiah in Greek. So, when we say Messiah, we say Christ. It's synonymous like when we say good news and when we say gospel. And so what's interesting is the Jews were expecting Isaiah 61, 1 and 2 to be fulfilled all at one time. They were going to have this hero show up. He was the man of God who was going to remove all the prosecution and all of the hard and difficult times of the Jew, uh, the Jewish life, Israel, and uh, put Israel and ascendant on top of the world and, and always going to be good. And what that's really looking at is the millennial kingdom. And here Christ throws a loop where he only talks about the first part of verse two, along with verse one, 
And the Jews never had the sense or the understanding that this fulfillment of Isaiah 61, 1 and 2 was a two-part fulfillment. Yeah, I think that's a great point that you're bringing out because, you know, what he what he was saying to them was speaking to something internal, right? So they were, and in many ways, we still are looking for this external, all right, you need to make the government better. You need to make things better. You need to, you know, we need to live in a in peace and uh because there's too much oppression there's too much hate out there right and that's all external stuff right and but what jesus is saying in these first two you know two and a half verses is i'm coming after your hearts yeah i'm going to release you from your from your own mess right the external stuff is going to come it's coming later but i'm here now to release you from your own captivity to the sin that that has imprisoned you that's right and when we say that the gospel is the story of christ's life his death and resurrection that's certainly true but here you have christ while he's alive saying the gospel's at hand right Right. i'm here yeah i'm here it's at hand because i am here god amongst us right? right yeah And it's really mind-boggling then to see this three-year ministry take place where the Pharisees and the religious leaders are always sort of yapping at his heels, uh, show me a sign, show me a sign, show Mm -hmm. me a sign. And they're wanting to see some great sign in the uh, universe. You know, he wants to move stars around or something. And in the meantime, Christ is eradicating all the illness in Palestine at the time, curing leprosy, causing the blind to see, the lame to walk. And uh, it's it's just incredible to, to see the demonstration of such supernatural miracles, right. reattaching a person's ear after it gets lopped off by a sword. Uh, these are things that are just beyond comprehension, but it wasn't the miracles that it was about, right? He was talking about, and the Old Testament focused mainly on this idea of repent, 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 right? And that was always and always has been a call to us all. And I love the way you put that. This is really an internal thing. It's really a call to the individual at the deepest part of our soul. That's right. Because we're, you know, we're the cry is show me a sign, show me a sign. That's all external stuff, right? Do a trick, do something, do something great, do something big. And, and Jesus did do amazing miracles. But when you think about it, all the ones that you mentioned, they're very personal, healing someone, feeding somebody. You know, I, I mean, it's all, it's, it's internal is he, Jesus got real personal, right? Mm. Because that's what he was about. He spent time with people. He wasn't here to address the big system in that moment. He was here to address hearts. Yes, exactly. And when we think about what God had planned, this is what Christ was doing during his ministry reaching out to the poor, reaching out to the lame. He makes a statement early on to the Pharisees. He says, 
a person who's healthy doesn't need a doctor. Right. Right. And so he's, he's really demonstrating what happened in the garden. The reality is that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And he was saying, while I'm healing the obvious things, these afflictions, really, I've come to heal your soul. That's right. Because, you know, until when you think about it, I'm, I'm going to go all Jordan Peterson on you, on you right here. <laughs> it always comes back to him. But, um, you know, this one of the lines that he's famous for, you know, to to this generation that wants to clean up the world, right? All the ills of the world. And he, you know, his first uh, line of advice is clean your room, right? So deal, <laughs> deal with yourself. And that's really, you know, that that's the shadow, right? Of, of the reality of the gospel is that Jesus like, you know what, I'm not going to clean up the world right now. That's common. That's common. Um, but I'm here now to help you because you can't clean up your, your room, right? You know, you should, but first of all, the problem isn't out there. The problem is within. So let's deal yes. with let's deal with you first, and let me help you clean your room. That's right. And that was his message, an extension. He says to his disciples later on, "Greater miracles you will do, mm-hmm. and greater miracles you will see." And you're thinking, what does he mean? And what he was really pointing to, and he's talking to his disciples here that they are going to preach the gospel. They are going to preach the reality that God incarnate came to this earth, that he demonstrated there is a way to God. You don't need an intermediary or you don't need the high priest. You can have a personal relationship with God. And the only way you can do that, because the Jews were very very aware of sin. I mean, they were spending all kinds of time slaughtering animals in the temple for the remission of their sins. So the the Jewish people had a very, very heightened awareness of their sin and would do the kinds of things they were called to do in the uh, Levitical uh, priesthood to, to remove that sin albeit temporarily. So they understood that they were not capable of coming before a holy God. And and Christ's mission wasn't only to demonstrate it's an internal heart thing that you need to be changed, but I'm going to be that sacrifice for you. And I'm going to be the one who removes your sin so that you can be righteous in the eyes of God and go before a holy God, because I am going to impart my righteousness on you who believe, and I am going to remove your sin, past, present, and future. And that's really a hard concept to get, isn't it? It is, uh, you know, but it's one of those things where I don't, I don't understand the ins and outs of it, but I'm so glad that it is true. I'm so glad that we can rely on it as, okay, I, this is not for me to fully grasp, even though we can search out the scripture. Um, Someday we'll understand it in full right now. We see dimly as in a mirror, but that's part of the good news is, you know, we don't, we don't have to, we don't have to dissect it to the point of understanding 
every last molecule of it to know that we can trust the scripture when it says, hey, past, present, future, he took care of it. That's right. And and if we think about it, uh, uh, oh, wait a minute, I, I still sin. Yes, we do. But as Christians, we're to really focus on the fact that as sinners, we have to confess it, but yet we sin less. And when we do sin, it affects us more. And that's right. how we know that we have a heart that truly is placed on Jesus. We know we're sinners. We know he has dealt with our sin. But while we're still here on this earth, we're susceptible because sin dwells within us. And it's not that we now being Christians will never sin. That's just not true. But it's that we seek to sin less. And when we do fall, when we do sin, it impacts us more greatly. Right. So this is one of my favorite things to talk about, right? Because, yeah, there's this whole idea of, okay, well, we sin less or do we, you know, do we not sin or whatever? And here's what here's what Second Corinthians 5 says. And I know you know this one, right? Um, if anyone is in Christ, right? That he's, uh, the new has come, right? The, the old is gone. The new is here. So something happens at the at at our acceptance of this gift of salvation of the of the good news of the gospel and and I know we probably need to back up after this statement to really like get into like what does that actually mean what did he do to make us this new creation but something happens our nature changes our na- it's not you know I've heard it said and I I didn't coin this phrase but I love this phrase Jesus did not come. Christ did not come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live. I and that, that is that is the essence of the gospel because this, this hyperfixation on morality, and I'm not dissing, God wants us holy and he hates sin, but this whole, well, I got to sin less today than I did yesterday. That's focusing on behavior and sin. But what Christ did for us has changed our nature so that the essence of us where it was dead, right? We were dead in our sins. That's scripture, right? Uh, we can talk about that uh, maybe next yeah. time because I, I think we got to save some of this for next time. But he changes our very nature. So where the core of us was deceitfully wicked, right? Uh, right. Was dead in our sins. Now the core of us is alive with Christ, in Christ, right? The Bible actually tells us he dwells in us through the Holy Spirit. So do we continue to sin? Oh yeah, we're going to struggle with the flesh. You know, right. Romans 7, right? As that's another favorite uh, uh, passage that I love to uh, just examine and talk about. But it's no longer the core of who we are. The core of who we are changes. Yeah, and, that's right. Yeah. I think we need to go through a rabbit trail. Okay. Because you, right. bring, you, you bring up a really, really great point. When Paul talks in 2 Corinthians about this new creation that we are, we have to understand God's economy is different in many ways than what we envision. And, and it's this whole idea of life and death, right? And there is physical life and death. I don't think we need to go through that for people. 
-hmm. But there's spiritual life and death. And that's really what you were talking about, right? Right. And that goes all the way. We got to do it as long as we're on this rabbit trail. We got to go all the way back to Genesis, right? Genesis chapter three, because yes. um, even prior to that, this is this was so, you know, before there was, you know, people talk about original sin, um, you know, and that's, you know, Adam and Eve, they ate the apple or the fruit or whatever, you know, whatever fruit it was. But before that, there was original glory. God created the, the earth, but more importantly, us in his yes. image for his glory. We had, we were created for fellowship, union, uninterrupted, enjoying him forever, right? As the Westminster uh, Confession says, right? So that was the beginning. That's, that's what his intention was. It that's got right. all messed up because... The original people, we can't say, oh, I wouldn't have done that. Hey, I'm pretty sure if they did it, I would have done it too. They fell into the temptation of, of questioning God's character, right? That's right. Oh, if he was good, he wouldn't hold that. Because remember, he he said, you can you can do anything you want, eat anything you want, except one thing, right? Except, and it was, it, there were, it came, it boiled down to a choice. Tree of knowledge of, of good and evil. Right. But there was also the tree of life, tree of life or tree of knowledge of good, good and evil. Yeah. And because of questioning God's character, they chose the tree of knowledge because they wanted they didn't want to like be closer to God. They were tempted. Look, no, I want to be God. I want your place. I want to know everything, you know. And it was at that moment that they forfeited the life. They could have chose life, but they chose knowledge instead and because of that because wanting to usurp god's position death came yeah that's a really wonderful point and because death came god who in the ultimate beginning created us in his image because he wanted to have a relationship with us right foreknew there was going to be a need to create a situation where we could once again have a relationship with him. And the That's only right. way to do that before a holy God was to have the ultimate sacrifice. And so he initiates this sacrificial concept with the Jews in a foreshadowing of what his son would do once for all for us. That's right. Because as you referenced, that death was a spiritual death, but that's 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 the real death, right? The real death is eternal separation from God. So That's as right. you said, he put into motion, even hinted as he was judging them, right? After, after they had betrayed and, and, and chosen their own way. So this is, this is what he says. And I know, you know, this well, you know, he, he's talking at this point, he's talking to the woman um, and the serpent who was the deceiver, right? He says, I will put enmity. Actually, he's talking to the serpent. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. That's really yes. important, right? He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. What's he talking about there? That's the first foreshadowing of the gospel. That's right. That's right. And that really comes to another really important point. So Paul, in the beginning of Galatians, I think it's Galatians uh, 6 through 9, talks about, he says, if Anybody, he was worried in the Galatia that the, the church of Galatia, the, the region of Galatia, that the churches there that he had started were uh, going to be uh, usurped by false teachers. 
Uh, they called them the Judaizers, and maybe that's a conversation for another day. But all the same, he was saying, if anybody teaches a gospel other than what we've taught, may that person be accursed. And really, mm -hmm. and then he doubles down. He says, let mm -hmm. me say it again. <laughs> if anybody right. preaches a gospel other than what you we have preached, may they be accursed. What he was talking about, without getting into the detail and invite you to read Galatians in general and chapter one in particular, what he's really talking about is the gospel is the recognition that we're sinners, that we have a need to repent, and that Christ has paid our penalty to those who believe on the cross by him being risen from the dead. That demonstrated that God accepted his sacrifice on behalf of all of us who believe. And so the important thing to understand is not only what the gospel is, but it's also understand that the gospel is simply in Christ Jesus and that he came as incarnate God on this earth, paid our penalties and the price of sin for those who believe on the cross and was raised as a, an acceptable sacrifice. Right in the eyes of God, so that, as it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, so that through him we might be the righteousness of God. And all to say, that's the gospel. And Paul's mm -hmm. point in Galatians was, it's not the gospel plus something. Right. So the Judaizers were saying, well, you got to be circumcised, or you have to still follow all of these uh, Judaic Levitical rules. So Paul was saying it's not Christ plus the gospel is Christ, but he's also saying it's not Christ minus. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. what he is saying there is it's not a watered down Christ either, is it? No, no. And in, in fact, yeah, it, it, that's so. Here's my nutshell of of what I'm hearing. So. You know, we are born into this ever since the time of, of Adam and Eve. We are born into this situation where we just want to be God, right? Mm. That's the fellowship was broken. Yes. And why was it broken? Because they wanted to be God. Well, that's what we want too, right? Yes. And nobody, you know, even the sweetest baby, you know, you give them, you know, enough time and they're, and they want to be in control. So that's, it's not about, again, it's not about behavior. Behavior is the result. Yes. Of the fact that we want to be God. And then we try, you know, as all throughout the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament until Jesus was to to pay for our own sins, right? That that system. So, all right, we're going to try to pay. We're going to try to pay. We're going to try to make up, or, you know, sacrifice for our sins. Well, you know, that was, that was not the full payment. So repentance, as I understand it, is essentially saying, I'm not God. I cannot, not only am I not God, I repent of that, but I know I can't pay for this separation. I can't, I can't make myself alive. So I need you, Jesus. That's I need right. what you did. I accept your payment, right? That death, that death on the cross to pay for the fact that I've tried to be God. And I accept that. And I need a new life. And I can't make myself alive. So I'm ex I'm accepting what you did because not only did you die, right? You resurrected and you are alive. And because you are alive, 
I want to glom onto that life. I need Cause, that. Because I am and can be alive, right? Yeah. And and that's a beautiful way to put it, that, that in the end, we are made in his image. We forfeited through our ancestors this opportunity to have a direct relationship with God. If we had it to do all over again, wouldn't we all want to be in the Garden of Eden, walking with God in the cool of the day? And so we've always had hearts for God. And eternity we, is written our heart, on our hearts, right? That's that's yeah. right. And and whether we want to admit it, we recognize there's a separation from this yearning. And what we understand when we come to that point, as you say, when we stop recognizing that we want to be God and realize we can't be, and we need a relationship with him, we finally are at the end of ourselves and say, I need personally to have a relationship with God. And Christ's penalty has made that possible so that now today, I not only have a relationship with God, I see him in my everyday. I am truly a new person. I have this opportunity to hope to look forward to being with him in true spiritual life in eternity. That's right. Yep. His death paid for our sins. His resurrection is why we have hope for a new life. And with that, I'd like to say our next two series, we're going to talk about if we have this wonderful good news and it's instilled in our hearts, we're changed, we're a new creation. We have a responsibility first with other believers in Jesus Christ. And we're going to cover that next podcast. And then the final podcast, we're going to talk about, well, if we really hold this truth and we know what it's done for us in our lives, I think we want to share it. Mm -hmm. Makes sense, right? So I look forward to those conversations. Bob, this has been a great discussion. Yeah, me too, Nancy. As always, thank you so much and uh, look forward to the next one as well. Me too. Well, there you have it. We've enjoyed our conversation today and hope that you feel more equipped to examine Scripture to find what God has to say about the important circumstances you're facing in your life. Until next time, examine the Scripture, drink from the Word of Life, and let the Bible feed your spirit.